to season three of Little Yo Pod. I'm your host, Laura Jackson, an interpretive naturalist guide in Yosemite National Park, and I am back for another season of 20 episodes chock full of Yosemite information. So as many of you know, I started this podcast just prior to COVID while I was taking some time off from work. And then I spent the entire year of COVID sequestered away in the Pacific Northwest after losing my job in Yosemite. Apparently, they didn't want people gathering in groups during that time. But uh, during that time, I wasn't sure if I would ever be able to come back to live and work in my beloved mountain home. It was really a tough tough time for me, but I stuck with it, hoping that something good would come of the podcast. And fortunately for me, I was hired as an interpretive guide with Yosemite's nonprofit partner, the Yosemite Conservancy for 2021. And I am beyond thrilled to be a part of this organization now. The Conservancy is an organization built on the philanthropy of people who love Yosemite and want to help keep this most special place protected and enhanced for future generations. So I'm so excited to be a part of that legacy. But I think the thing that made me the most excited about working for them was that I was going to have the opportunity to learn from some of the most talented naturalist researchers and historians working in Yosemite today, true legends. So recently, I was on a backpacking trip with the Conservancy led by one of the most renowned Yosemite storytellers, Brian Shore. So Brian spent uh, many years, many, many years regaling visitors of the history of Yosemite and the Yosemite high country from his heart home in the High Sierra camp of May Lake. And today you can experience his stories through the Yosemite Conservancy's weekly naturalist walks or on one of our many outdoor adventure programs that we run throughout the uh, summer and warmer months. So Brian is like an encyclopedia of Yosemite history, and I cannot think of anyone who has dedicated more of their time and energy to telling the stories of Yosemite from its earliest days uh, of Western European settlement and, and beyond. So I recorded one of Brian's talks while we were on our trip, and I've broken it down into four parts for you to enjoy, uh, starting with, the, with part one, where he discusses how and why the earliest trails in Yosemite were created by Native Americans and what happened after the first uh, white settlers arrived in California and eventually in Yosemite. I hope you enjoy this series. Uh, just to give you some context, we were staying at a campsite near Yosemite Creek off of the Tioga Pass Road from the Yosemite Creek and Ten Lakes Trailhead. We were about seven miles um, south of there. So we had been camping there for two nights, and this talk was given on the second night after we'd spent the day hiking to Eagle Peak and Yosemite Point near the top of Yosemite Falls. These trips, uh, these outdoor adventure program trips, usually take about three days, and we take a maximum number of 12 people out into the Yosemite wilderness to hike peaks, swim in lakes and streams, and tell stories. And I highly encourage you to join us on one of our upcoming adventures. We have another uh, trip scheduled September 2nd to the 5th, which Brian and I will be leading together again. And I'm not kidding when I say that there could not be a better person uh, to do this trip than with uh, Brian Shore. We're actually, uh, we're going up to, to May Lake where he lived for so long. So he knows a ton of information about that area. And it's absolutely one of my favorite places if not in Yosemite, in the world. Uh, I will have details on how to register for that trip at the end of this episode. But for now, please enjoy part one of this four-part series on the early settlement of, Yos- of the Yosemite area and the creation of the Trans-Sierra Route, the Tioga Pass Road, with legendary Yosemite storyteller Brian Shore. Well, let's start with that. Okay, so uh, today's story is going to start with you guys. 
on a hiking trip into Yosemite's backcountry and you get that uh, that email from uh, Yosemite Conservancy, get your essentials <laughs> together. Pack it all up, get your essentials together. So uh, you only have a so big of a backpack. <laughs> what are you grabbing? What are what do we consider these days our essentials? That's where we're starting. Sleeping bag. Sleeping bag. Yeah, you definitely want to stay warm. Gotta, you know, moderate your temperature. Pad. Sleeping pad. Sleeping pad. Essential? Yeah. Oh, I well, carry two. Depending on when you <laughs> when you go. Yeah, in the winter, I definitely carry yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sleeping pad. Yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> what other things? Water. water. <laughs> uh-huh. Backpack, water. water. Definitely, I mean, when we talk about the very essential shelter, food, and water, okay. right? But we have definitely more than that. Sleeping pad. Um, first aid. First aid kit's got to go in. Headlamp. Headlamp. Yeah. That's got to go. Sun hat or warm sun wool hat. Wool hat. Yeah. Um, compass, if you have one. What is it? Compass, if you know how to work it. The map. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Something to get you going where you want to get going. Yeah, it's probably pretty handy. <laughs> yeah, our list is getting pretty big. Pretty big, our essentials here. So, um, so most of that stuff you probably had growing right in your yard. Your pad grows off the pad tree. Got your backpack tree that you make. You know, uh, where do you get that stuff? Obviously, it's not in. It's probably not in your neighborhood. Maybe in some of your neighborhoods. Where do you get it? Sporting goods store. Sporting goods store. You guys live all live by sporting goods stores. We don't have one in Mariposa in case you're ready to make a move. <laughs> so if you don't have it in your neighborhood, sporting goods store can travel to it. You know, some of the stuff you want made out of country. Ace hardware. Ace hardware. Good place. Uh huh. Mine's if it's out of state. What do you do then? Buy it online. Buy it online. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what the Indians used to do. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Get onto uh, Google or uh, Amazon. Need some stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a little different. And, uh, of course, when they needed stuff, uh, they either had to travel there or travel a little distance and trade with their network their internet and that was their traders um and and uh that led to development of trails here yeah i think that's how we're going to start today's talk and, and trails had already been developed actually we're going backwards now it's going to be a weird talk <laughs> trails have been already established somewhat uh i was saying that last glacier that disappeared 15, 16, 17,000 years ago. And in Yosemite Valley, it took a little while for it to get to a real hospitable environment. But not so much up here. Uh, during those days, uh, there were trails being formed by those early animals that maybe this time of summer were running out of those grasses that they like to eat. And sometimes during this time of year, Especially when it was a little colder, there'd still be snow on the ground, still receding back and coming out from underneath those little fresh grasses, full of nutrients, nice and tender. 
So, uh, so the big mammals would migrate up this way, and, and they're not stupid. You know, after generations, who knows how long, they find easy ways to travel up these points. We um, see evidence of that, and they're not the only ones traveling those trails either. There's other animals getting their nutrients. Those animals that are watching those big mammals <laughs> traveling on those trails, the predators. They're helping to impact the area to make those small game trails. And then we get to that point 10,000 years ago or so where we get humans on scene. Sturdy trails there. We've all done it, right? You're in the woods and you follow a deer track. Something like that. Trails start to develop and humans aren't stupid. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Most of the time. So uh, they impact the trails and they get trails that... Uh, you know, to where they want to go. I mean, for us, where would our trails go in our house? To our kitchen, to our bathroom, to those things we need every day going in and back and forth. And the trail would develop. And same for humans back then. Um, part of it was so that they could get their essentials that they didn't grow right at home. You know, uh, for here in the park, essentials were what was growing in the meadows. You know, they didn't have clay... They didn't have metallurgy here, so they used what was available to make what they needed on a day-to-day -day basis. Baskets they used to cook and gather and carry water. Um, they were valuable, and not all all the uh, all the tribal groups had those materials readily available. So there was something they could export for something they needed somewhere else. Sometimes all the way over the Sierra. And that was maybe one of the earliest uh, trails in Yosemite National Park. The trail that would go from the west side, from the southeast side, and up and over the Sierra, where tribes from the east side would trade for what they needed on the west side over there. Maybe they were looking for that staple of food, acorns. You don't see a lot of acorns over there in Mammoth, you know, and around Mono Lake. You see pinion pines, though. That's some yummy food, and trade is made, right? And um, sometimes it was that obsidian that we've been seeing, right? Ooh, I got a little bit of the old obsidian. You know, what do you got for me? And maybe uh, you traded some beautiful shells from the coast. Up here and here, uh, up here in the high country, seeing something like that, that might be a fair trade. You know, essentials that they need. Uh, that's their network. That's how they get them. And sometimes they would gather up in a meadow way up here at 9,000 feet, 8,600 feet up here. Not just one tribe, not just two, but bunches of tribes coming together to trade, to socialize, to gamble. Um, so they would gather up there, right in the middle of the meadows, if it was mosquito-y, where the breezes would blow uh, the mosquitoes away a little bit, and you still find signs of it. Still find signs of this non-native rock throughout the park here. Maybe uh, they had it in their hands, chipping away, making some tool or another thousand years ago, or maybe 8,000 years ago. Right here, my hands. Pretty cool. And that's the way it went. Trading across the Sierra, people getting their essentials that way and existing off the land here. Um, and then this starts to change. 
you know, the first non-native voyage into Yosemite happened in 1833 when Joseph Walker came up this way with a party of explorers looking for resources here. It was the end of September when they started up into the high country, 1833. Mr. Walker's party was uh, 50 men about. Each man had a few animals. One they would ride and some they would pack. Um, so at least 150 animals and 50 people. Nice, small, intimate party <laughs> coming up into the Sierra from the east side. And uh, on that journey is a journalist, the clerk of the party. His name is Zenas Leonard. He starts writing about this. This uh, Well, he's been writing the whole time. But as they get higher and higher, September, and they're kind of surprised that they're running into snow way up in this area. And it slows them down to a snail's pace. And it slows them down so much that they start fearing for their survival. Snowbanks are huge. And Zenus writes about uh, from below these snowbanks come this melting trickles of creeks that um, are going through stream beds that were formed millennia ago. And uh, from these stream beds, <laughs> these streams jump off from a precipice and bounce from precipice to precipice, dissolving in mist, perhaps a mile below. Sounds pretty Yosemite-like, right? <laughs> um, later on, uh, Chief Tanaya said, Oh, yeah, we uh, we guided Joseph Walker away from the valley. We made sure he didn't go that way. Huh. But before the guide showed up, it was dire straits. Animals were starving, and from those animals, they would get nutrition. They would eat those. They weren't happy about it. But, um, but there were times when they're only making a, a mile a day when they come across or... And an Indian comes across them wearing a backpack, like an old like Jansport brand or something really, <laughs> really old. And, uh, he sees these people and animals and, and just frightens him. He drops his, his bag full of acorns. Acorns. He's going back to the east. So he's already traded. And that's his essentials what his family needs to survive, maybe that winter. Sees these people, the Walker Party, and throws his backpack and, and disappears. And Walker Party is so thankful for those acorns, and even more so because they recognize that trail. The trail that they're on, Mono Indian Trail. The one that goes all the way across the Sierra, and they follow that trail down to the west side, and um, Zenas continues to write in his journal about these trees that they run into so large that maybe 16 fathom around first time the big trees have been written down in history giant sequoia um but then it goes back to normal <laughs> you know eight indians trading across the sierra for their essentials trying to pick up yosemite conservancy you know uh programs occasionally and a burger at the grill but mostly uh, just surviving back and forth in this same routine they've done for thousands of years. And even as westward migration comes to this area or comes to, you know, to this part of the country, you know, we're expanding west. Western migration, what's the term? We deserve this. Manifest. Manifest destiny. destiny. We're moving out this way, but not here in Yosemite. Wagons start coming across, mule trains, people even hiking as far as all the way to Utah, people pushing wheelbarrows to come out west, but not here because here the pass is 9,000 feet high. 
You know, they have shorter passes up north. They have shorter passes down south. So, um, so this place gets a, a respite from what the inevitable is. But it eventually comes. And the gold rush happens. And uh, everything goes to crap. <laughs> <laughs> Tension. You know, when you uh, live in a place from one year to the next, there's another 100,000 people. Can you imagine what that's like? Friction-wise, people from all over the world. You know, man, we're barely keeping it together right here, right? <laughs> <laughs> but from all over the world. And um, and imagine you're on Mariposa Creek in your little 12-foot by 12-foot mining area. How much do you guys know about mining? About as much as I know about mining. And <laughs> about as much as some of those people knew about mining. You know, and... And why did you strike it, Rich? And I didn't. You're, you're six feet away from me. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Friction uh, definitely occurs, and not just among those miners, but especially with those first people. And that leads to first contact, a punitive force that comes into the stronghold of the Awanichi people on March 27th of 1851. They change everything. They change the name of their home. Think people were upset when the Awani Hotel got a new name? How about your home, the Awani? Well, you've called this valley for thousands of years. Oh no, we're changing it to Yosemite. It's better than Majestic. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to part one of this four-part series to kick off season three of Little Yo Pod. I will be back with part two in two weeks where we will continue our walk through Yosemite's early history as a settlement and eventual national park. If you want to know more about upcoming trips with the Yosemite Conservancy, including our trip to May Lake, which still has spaces available, please check out yosemiteconservancy.org and click on the Outdoor Adventures link where you will see all of our upcoming trips listed. We have quite a few. Or if you can't make it to Yosemite and you want to support the work we're doing from home, we always appreciate any donations you can give to the Yosemite Conservancy. We're 75 cents and every dollar you give to us goes right back to Yosemite projects, rehabilitation, research, building infrastructure, revegetation, you name it, we do it all with the money that you give to us. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Little Yo Pod. If you like this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review to help more people find the podcast. And if you want to contact me, you can send an email to littleyopod at gmail.com or find and follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at littleyopod. Check the show notes for links to those as well as a link to the Yosemite Conservancy website. As always, thank you so much for listening to Little Yo Pod. I'm Laura Jackson, and I will see you in Yosemite. Oh,